Welcome, Welcome to Common Sense Coalition Talk Radio, where you'll find straight talk from people with good old common sense. I trust your opinion. And now, for your host, he's putting sense back into nonsense. Absolute insanity. Well, you can hear me on the Your host, Beth Ann. And I welcome you today to CSC Talk Radio. It is my honor, my privilege, and my pleasure to be here, as well as my calling. And I have, I'm excited about our show today, and uh, so I want you to keep tuning in. We are going to talk about the January 6th. And it's a documentary that's been coming out, and I got the I had the privilege of watching it. But first, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and I'm going to give us a lead-in to what we're going to do. For such a time as this, most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you as a body of believers across this nation, thanking you and praising you for who you are. Father, today I beg you that we be seekers of truth and righteousness and justice, for only you are just. Guide us, Father. Keep our hearts close and jealously guard your children Keep us safe. And, Father, help us all to bring this country back to you, to bring this nation back to the liberty that only you can give. We can't do it with lies. It must be done with truth. And you are truth. This, for such a time as this, I believe you have placed me here and the gentleman where he is, who is my guest today and all those listening. And I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Every American must feel that these days surely are the times that try men's souls. I have to wonder, though, are Americans paying attention? Are we seeking truth, or are we just content to accept what we are told? In these troubling times, it appears our nation is divided divided into two sides. If we are not seeking truth, what would be the purpose of these sides? Political victories truly gain us nothing. However, we do seem to be losing a great deal of our freedom and our liberties. Are we not a country of people wanting for liberty and independence, claiming those attributes to be our foundation? Most Americans, I fear, don't even understand how America came to be. They look back at the mistakes we made and ignore all the good and the positives. Must we be defined only by the darkness of our past and not the light that rose from that darkness? During the past several years, we have witnessed an enthusiastic push to divide we the people. We are labeled according to our skin color and our gender and identified by our pronouns, preferred pronouns. We have class warfare, putting down the working class. The push to divide has brought great violence to our nation. And in the past 10 years, it grew in intensity when a man known as Donald J. Trump escalated his way to the White House, seeking the presidency of the United States. I watched this celebrity who once was esteemed by those who now consider him poison and an enemy. I had to ask myself why. He began rallying the forgotten Americans for the good of a nation. Make America great again, he said. Oh, how could that possibly be perceived as a bad thing? 
In fact, they don't only call it bad, they call it evil. Moving forward, regardless of political party, we all saw the visceral hate and violence that grew across this nation. Mixed with a pandemic of the China virus and an epidemic of political lies, we entered into a strange election year, November 3rd, 2020. The election night was wrought with confusion and unusual happenings. Strange night indeed. There were a few states that had extremely questionable outcomes mixed with suspicious and questionable behavior. January 6, 2021 was to be the confirming of the electoral votes of that day of November 3rd, 2020. It's done at Congress, being overseen by the President of the United States. The confirmation was offered by the electoral votes was done state by state. This is when the votes can be contested and sent back to those states for an investigation, simply put. January 6th was not about stopping the counting of the votes, but was about witnessing this constitutional process and keeping it honest. Witnessing is not an insurrection. But something happened. A riot. And now there are hearings not to seek truth, but to prosecute only one man, Donald J. Trump, who they claim to be one, the only one responsible for an armed insurrection upon which no one in the crowd truly had arms, just the police. Subpoenas are being served up like Girl Scout cookies. This committee one is one-sided, and they're building their case against one man, Donald J. Trump, whom they consider a political enemy. While there is in existence a vast number of hours of security tapes that could tell the story of what happened that day, the committee refuses to bring those to their theater. What actually took place? Was this an insurrection? Just because they refused to use the security tapes and other video recordings of that fateful day, January 6th, doesn't mean all Americans are so blind. In fact, Americans have noticed a severe crisis America has a two-tiered justice system. A two-tiered justice system does not define the character of a free people. It is not liberty. It is the very definition of tyranny. Many times I have encouraged all of you who are listening to subscribe to the Epic Times. And now the Epic Times has put together a documentary which I found to be very telling and very interesting. Lots of things went wrong that day. But what and why and who was responsible doesn't seem to be the question for the January 6th committee. They entered their theater for one purpose, to hang Donald J. Trump. The Epic Times documentary, The Real Story of January 6th. My guest today is Joseph Hanneman. He's the lead reporter for the J6 for the Epic Times. And uh, we're going to bring him on, and we're just going to talk about this documentary today. Joe, may I call you Joseph, or do you prefer Joe or Mr. Hanneman? What would you prefer? You can call me Joe. Hey, Joe. Welcome. Thank you very much. I enjoyed the documentary, if you call it enjoy. It just, it just, <laughs> it makes me ache for our country. But uh, yeah, you were a long time putting that, can... that to, go ahead. I'm sorry, sir. No, I was going to say it, it does raise the blood pressure. I've heard that from many people that while they enjoyed the presentation, the, the content is, is enough to make your blood boil, and certainly that's true. And, and our hearts ache with what we saw. And, you know, it, there's so much in there that it's hard to know where to even begin. 
But And we'll head into our first break here quickly, and then I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you. But let's tell everyone first how to get this documentary. Can you help me with that? Yeah, we have a, a URL, and you can go to on the Internet. It's j6realstory.com, and that's the landing page for the film. It's got a lot of background and links on how to watch it right there on that page. Good, good. What made you do this, as if I didn't know? What made you, and I know it took you a long time to put it together, but what made you put this together? And the Six Committee had done since it, its inception, and the Six Committee had done since it, its inception, and knowing they had committee hearings coming up this summer, we thought it was important for the American people to see that there is much more to the story, and indeed some of the story being told is false. So we wanted to try to address both of those things. I think you did a very good job of it. I, I was very impressed with how you put it together, and I know you weren't alone in that. Um, but I was also very impressed with um, the folks that you brought on. But I'd like to know where you got all the footage. Some of it had to have been from people in the crowd, and I wanted to talk about that as well. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. We're going into our first break. Stay tuned. We're here to tell you the real story of January 6th, and it is in a documentary, and I think every one of you should watch it at least once, maybe twice. Hi, I'm Elmer Heinrich. My company sells a nutritional product called Immuno 150. If you haven't heard of it, you need to go to the website immuno150.com or call our toll-free number. Now, we sell to thousands of consumers, and our reorder rate is above 94%. Now, many people ask us how we can sell a month's supply of Immuno 150 for less than $50 when most of our competition is $70 to $80 a month. It's simple. We don't pay celebrities or testimonial people to say something good about the product. Immuno 150 stands on its own with 70 minerals and 80 other nutrients. It doesn't need any help, and it has more than color, taste, and smell. I am 88 years old, and my wife is 79, both with no dementia, arthritis, or allergies, and no aches or pains of any kind, nothing, all because of Immuno 150. Now, check the number of minerals in the product you take. Don't be surprised if you don't find more than 12. Order Immuno 150 to see what 70 minerals can do for you. Call our toll-free number, 888-316-2224. Made in America is more than just a slogan. It's a brand we all look for to better this nation's economy. Liberty Tabletop is the brand of Cheryl Manufacturing, the only manufacturer of flatware in the United States of America. Liberty Tabletop creates high-quality flatware at a competitive price using the finest quality 1810 chromium nickel stainless steel. Oh, and by the way, the steel they use is also made in the USA. The steel is tested for lead and other toxic trace elements so you bring to your family a safe and pure product that will last for generations. Setting your table is an important part of every meal. The patterns you choose say something about you and your family. Bringing America home with LibertyTabletop.com or go to my website, csetalkradio.com, and click on their link. Call Liberty Tabletop at 844-386-2338. Use the promo code BETHANN and receive 10% off your purchase. LibertyTabletop.com. 
Daniel Turner, founder and executive director of Power the Future, agrees that America is blessed with an abundance of reliable energy sources. Our natural resources are the lifeblood of our nation and have made our nation prosperous. Rural America is the heart of production in this nation. Our food, manufacturing, trucking, and yes, our energy. Power the Future promotes jobs in rural America, specifically our energy jobs. These jobs are all under attack. Wealthy radicals like Tom Stiers and George Soros promise to break the nation's energy independence. Their beloved Green New Deal attacks all that is good in this nation. Our food, our land, our jobs, our families, and of course, our gassy cows. Power the Future is fighting for you, Rule America. Join them. Visit PowerTheFuture.com. See the latest news and donate to those who are fighting for you. PowerTheFuture.com. Power the Future is fighting to keep America's lights on. And we have returned. You're listening to CSE Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. We're talking about J6, what actually happened. There's a documentary put out by the Epic Times. And like I said, there, you know, there's a talk show host out there. He's very, very famous. And he's always saying journalism isn't dead. That journalism is dead. But journalism isn't dead because we have the Epic Times. We have people like you putting this documentary together for America and the world is true journalism. And thank you, Joseph, for what you did. Um, go to j6realstory.com. That's all it is, j6realstory.com. So I wanted to ask about all the film, the filming that you had there. You had you had quite a bit, and even from different uh, angles. So how did you uh, come across that, Joe? Well, we part of our uh, investigations have gone through literally thousands of hours of video uh, so we sourced it from our own staff uh, who were reporting on the ground that day and uh, other staff from our sister broadcast network, NTD Television. So we had uh, quite a few people there the entire day on January 6th. Uh, but we also went to open source video databases. Uh, there's a, a very large one that uh, videos that had been posted on Parler before Parler was shut down and t- taken offline by uh, Amazon. Yeah. Uh, so we were able to access those videos and a lot of things that were submitted to us by by readers and, and others who were just interested in uh, telling the story of what they saw because they are not seeing that reflected uh, in what they were seeing in the, in the mainstream media coverage. Uh, so it, it really uh, cut across. And we had some other sources that had access to video that is right now under court seal. Um, and even with all the video we accessed, it's still a tiny fraction of what is being kept secret by the government uh, under court seal, which is, I'm told, close to 16,000 hours of video, which if one person sat down to watch that, it would take many years to go through it. So it's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of uh, security cameras. And, and you hit it on the head and what you said earlier, that will tell the story. If all of that is released, and I do believe eventually it will be, uh, and it will. you won't be able to hide truth that way. You'll be able to track every person uh, that was there, uh, the troublemakers and those who were peaceful, find out where they came from and what they did. And, you know, we look forward to that. But in terms of what's accessible now, we think we have a pretty good cross-section in this documentary. You know, I have watched uh, several times the uh, 
the shooting of Ashley Babbitt just on the different news networks that have shown that Main Street doesn't show that. Uh, but uh, Greg Kelly shows that quite a bit on Newsmax. And I've seen a couple of different ones that, that show different angles. And I was impressed with how I had not seen before, which I saw in your documentary, there was another man with a gun there as well. <laughs> and he did not shoot, but yet uh, uh, the officer that shot Ashley Babbitt felt like he had to. And um, so that was just one little thing that I had noticed. There was many things, but that was just one that I had noticed in your documentary I had not seen in others as of yet. Uh, where would you like to begin? Because it's um, just kind of overwhelming. I took notes just right and left as I was watching it. Um, but where would you like to begin, Joe? Well, I think one of the biggest issues that we deal with in the film is is uh, the police use of force. And that, that cuts yes. across the, the shooting of Ashley Babbitt. It cuts uh, across the, uh, the death of Roseanne Boyland. And there were two other deaths that day of uh, Trump supporters, um, which you never hear that detail very often, including uh, President Biden has uh, made the reference that rioters killed two policemen that day. And that's just flat not true. Uh, no policemen were killed that day. And in fact, the one policeman who did die the next day, uh, his death was ruled from natural causes. But you, you'll hear the story, uh, the same story the New York Times put out initially, that he was beaten with a fire extinguisher which yeah, they, is that just simply not true. They had to retract that. So it, use of force is, is one of the huge issues from that day. And we really show uh, where things went off the rails in a lot of places. Uh, the, the use of munitions that, that I think really started the unrest that happened that day. There was a very large crowd on the west side of the Capitol, and at the time, the, the the crowd was pretty tightly packed, but they were not doing anything other than there was a lot of talk. There was some singing. A little uh, flag waving. Flag waving. There were people praying. And, yes. uh, in fact, some of the people who were praying uh, had one of these explosive munitions drop in their midst. And uh, these are used to control crowds, but not in the way they were used. They were just kind of lobbed indiscriminately some from above, some from the same level, uh, and they were exploding it at, at head level. So you had a very dangerous situation. Uh, when these things explode, they not only spray out fire and powder, but depending what's in them, a lot of them have plastic projectiles in them that go out at a tremendous force. And so you saw uh, people who had those embedded in their, in their face, others who were burned, um, I interviewed a gentleman who is not in the documentary, but I interviewed him this week. He was shot directly in the knee uh, with a 40 millimeter incendiary shell uh, from a very short distance. I mean, you could and, almost and, call it point blank. And, and there were and children. Shattered. There were children yes. there too, weren't there? There were children there. There were um, a lot of uh, senior citizens that were in this yes. crowd. And many of them stayed back far, and I think thinking if there was any trouble, they'd be safe from it. Yet they were fired upon, too. Some of these shells went a tremendous distance. Uh, they can easily go uh, more than 100 yards and then drop in and unleash either tear gas, um, different types of uh, chemical irritants, and uh, and also uh, projectiles. So 
it you know people were literally shocked that this was being done and you could just tell at first you can hear it on the videos people like whoa what happened what happened and then another one and then in some areas you had four and five of these in pretty quick succession and and it quickly turned to anger because they could tell they were being targeted yet these were not armed people despite again some of the stories that are told these were (laughs) most of them were typical trump rally goers yeah they were president trump's rallies throughout the election and, and indeed since then uh, you know, you don't see that. People bring crowbars and clubs and, and, and hammers and mallets and other things that somehow seem to find their way into the hands of a lot of people that day. So it, this crowd at that point was very peaceful. I was going to say, the, the crowd angry- then, and, and what I had, had seen earlier, and that was an awakening when I watched your documentary, was that they just they had dispersed, which I thought was un, uncalled for, tear gas into the crowd that was just standing there. They weren't doing anything. They were just, but it wasn't tear gas. It was much, much worse than that. Do you think that they did that to rile them? Or do you think those cops were actually afraid? I mean, there was a lot of people in D.C. that day. Do you think they were really that fearful? Or do you think they were trying to upset the apple cart and cause an issue, well, cause a riot? I, I, I think it is possible that both things were the case. Okay. Um, you know, there there are a lot of theories about this, and we do not have a paper trail in, or, you know, hard evidence of, of what these officers were told in their daily briefing before January 6th, uh, because there was a tremendous amount of fear among the police, and I've heard that from uh, from people that were there. I've heard, heard that from some law enforcement officers and some retired law enforcement people who were there, that they saw a lot of fear, and they asked the same question. What were they told? Were they told that this crowd was going to be full of bloodthirsty killers or people that are genuinely a threat to their very person? Uh, one would have to suspect that may have been told, because what else would explain that? These, these officers have dealt with crowd control. I mean, there are protests in Washington all the time. So, uh, you know, but it's also possible when you look at the, uh, the use of incendiaries as a strategy, you have to ask the question, was that designed to stir the pot and to get people angry enough that they could be prompted into, into lashing out uh, or striking out at the police or others? Uh, because it just it didn't make from a from a tactical standpoint it made no sense. Well, and the other the other gentleman that I found very interesting that you had in the documentary was Stan Geppard. Uh, I know some police officers. I have some law enforcement officers in my family, and uh, you know we experienced uh, <laughs> a really bad deal in St. Louis several years back during the Obama administration, and that was in uh, Ferguson, Missouri, where we had riots that really went crazy bad due to lies that were being told. But his take on what was going on as as the uh, documentary and the footage there took place was extremely interesting to me, how he pointed out what should and shouldn't be done, and uh, we're headed into a break we're, uh, you're listening to CSC Talk Radio. I'm visiting with Joseph Hanneman of the Epic Times and their documentary. And we'll be right back.
we have returned. You're listening to CSE Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann with Joseph Hanneman of the Epic Times. He's one of their lead reporters if we consider with, in regards to the J6. They've done a documentary. It's called The Real Story of January 6th. Go to j6realstory.com. That's j6realstory.com. Journalism is not dead because we still have the Epic Times. And we also have Range Magazine, which that's probably news to you. Watching this and hearing Stan... Watching this and hearing Stan point out what the police were doing and what they should have and should not have been doing, um, that was that was extremely interesting and because we witnessed a woman getting beaten and because we witnessed a woman getting beaten and a couple of them and we witnessed uh, uh, Ashley Babbitt getting shot. And we witnessed the crowd being. I mean, he has served in riots. He was in Memphis, uh, and and he has. I mean, he has served in riots. He was in Memphis, uh, and and he he has. I mean, he has served in riots. He was in Memphis uh, during rioting in the in the 1960s. So he he has used the techniques that he talks about, and that uh, <clears throat> that he felt should have been used if the goal was to disperse the crowd. And he concluded that that was not the goal, that the goal was punitive, to punish the crowd for being there, uh, or they would have used a, a very different set of uh, tactics and techniques. Um, now, when it came to the, the shooting of Ashley Babbitt, he was he was very clear. He called it a murder under the color of authority, uh, which, that you know, and, and I've heard other law enforcement people uh, say, offer the same opinion, but he, uh, he took a very hard look at all the video that, that he could find and that we could find and uh, any reports of the few that were available uh, before the Justice Department eventually did cough up a 14-page report on her shooting. But he said it was not even clear. It fails the litmus test for use of force, and therefore he called it a murder and said that the officer broke his oath and should be under arrest uh, when indeed the officer has been cleared by the the U.S. Justice Department. Oh, and hailed as a hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and some in, some in Congress have, have definitely hailed him as a hero and said he saved lives uh, that day, which which I think is a is a very questionable conclusion, uh, considering Ashley Babbitt was not a threat to anyone, and he, I mean, he told it all to Lester Holt, and I think he kind of kind of set the table for himself. He said he had no idea if this was a man or a woman. He could not tell if there was anything in the person's hands, and he did not know their intentions. So under those circumstances, you don't fire a weapon. You don't raise a weapon unless you're prepared to kill someone. Well, and, a, man, uh, a man or a woman couldn't be much threat. I mean, you could see you could see how she was going through the window. It looked to me like she was being pushed. But as she's going through it, she's almost in prone position. She's not standing up. She's not – she's – she or whoever it would have been, since he didn't know who she, who it was, they. I mean, it would have been easy to capture them on the other side without shooting. Right, and and he he did, says he did not realize uh, there were uh, four members of the uh, Capitol Police uh, SWAT team that were within arm's reach of Ashley Babbitt at the time she climbed through the window. And from from all the video we've seen, we we believe, and, and her husband concurs in this, that she was simply trying to escape, that she saw this had gotten completely out of control. Her attempts to stop the main agitator who was breaking the windows 
she, she tried to talk to him and he pushed her aside. And uh, what she did is she grabbed his backpack. She gave him a left hook right to the nose. Yeah, she did. <laughs> off his glasses and she climbed in the window and thought she was going to just step away from that. Uh, and so she, she didn't present a threat. And yet it goes back to what I was saying before. Just what was in his mind? What had he been told? You know, that these people were going to be armed with with bombs or who knows what, because Mm -hmm. uh, you would do one of two things, according to Stan Kephart. You would approach her, grab her by the backpack and uh, pull her down and take her into custody. She's five foot two, 115 pounds. And indeed, she had had a career in law enforcement in the Air Force. This is not someone who is going to disobey a lawful command. Uh, she did not see him, uh, and her husband said he's convinced of that because, uh, you know, she has worked these kind of situations. Um, or he said withdrawal is always an option, and to withdraw and retreat and, and assess the situation. So, you know, if she were to come through to gather more info and say, okay, look, this person is definitely not armed. This is a woman. She's, you know, fairly small. Uh, in the, you know, then issue commands that she could actually hear. So there were just so many things that, that could have been done. It, it seemed like uh, the deadly force was the first option when it really should be the last. And we, we saw that there were other citizens that were attacked or beaten because of simply where they were. The tunnel is a kind of a curious thing to me. It seemed like some of the crowd was pushing through this tunnel, and um, if I if I remember incorrectly, Victoria White is one that was on your documentary, and she herself was beaten, and she was kind of talking about how different things were going through her mind, and she was trying to stay stay upright, otherwise she might have been trampled if she'd have fallen. Um, but this is not the way. From what I know that you, and I don't know a whole lot. I'm not an officer. I'm not, I haven't had any training in that. I just raised five sons. I knew how to break up a few fights, but it's, it, um, how they were beating the women. I mean, the two women that were getting beaten, her and, and Roseanne Boylan, who lost her life. You know, that was just, it was hard for me to watch. Not just because they were female, but also because they were female. There was also a female cop that was involved in some of that. That I want you yeah. to kind of explain some of what took place in that tunnel because that was kind of a curious thing to me. Well, the tunnel is a short covered uh, entrance leading up to the doors that go into the into the Capitol, and crowds had been in the in and out of that tunnel all afternoon. And honestly, I've seen enough body uh, body cam footage from officers who were staged inside the building. That entrance could have easily been locked tight shut down. It was open like a summer breeze uh, much of the afternoon, and they were not concerned about people having access to the Capitol because officers were coming and going, uh, you know, if somebody got uh, injured or got uh, pepper gas in their eyes or something, they would come back in there and get medical attention. So that door could have easily at any time been secured, uh, and yet uh, it was left open. And at one point, there were some what you would definitely call rioters trying to access it. Um, and there were a lot of problems there, but it didn't need to happen. And eventually, uh, when the police did a couple of times push crowds out, 
um, Victoria White was kind of pulled into the tunnel from the crowd at one point, and what she experienced is there's just absolutely no uh, reasoning or excuse for it. She was just plump beaten with a, a uh, expandable baton you know, wielded by a supervisor. This this is somebody mm-hmm. who is a, a lieutenant or a sergeant or higher, and using an overhand strike, she was hit. Uh, we counted 39 times within five minutes, and that included five or six uh, very direct punches to the side of her head with a closed fist. Um, that's a beating. That's that's not a, a, a tactical use of force to take someone to custody. It's a that punishment. Doling, it's doling out punishment. Yeah. And, and one yeah. thing we discovered late, uh, just before we interviewed Victoria, uh, based on some new body cam, it appears she may have been sexually assaulted in there as well. And you know, wow. she was very distraught when she saw that because she suffered domestic abuse for a decade. Yeah, and that's what I gathered. It kind of she went. Yep, she went into really went into shock during that day, and I. We're uh, we're headed into a break. Let's hang on to that. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. J6 is important for us to know the truth. We must seek the truth. We'll be right back. Have you heard about vine-to-bar chocolate? It's the winemaker's chocolate, the world's first chocolate made with well-vined Chardonnay Mark from the beautiful coastal vineyards of North America. Gently pressed grapes are harvested after juicing, dried, and finely milled and carefully blended into the finest dark chocolate. The Chardonnay Mark contains highly beneficial grape nutrients, flavanols, and has a natural sweetness that flavors the luscious dark chocolate. Mouthwatering, flavorful, delectable dark chocolate goodness with Chardonnay sweetness and beneficial nutrients. And it's alcohol-free, too. It's Vine to Bar chocolate. Order some today at vinetobar.com. That's V-I-N-E-T-O-B-A-R.com. Cold ship to your door, it's Vine to Bar. Vine to Bar chocolate. Visit us at vinetobar.com. You can look for the silver lining or you can strengthen your portfolio with gold and silver. Optimism is planning for your own financial future. Melody Cedarstrom of Discount Gold and Silver Trading has been watching our economy and the banksters for well over 20 years. The U.S. has an unsustainable debt. And while the timing of a collapse cannot be predicted, we know the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back weighs heavier and heavier with each new stimulus and omnibus bill. Because of our debt and the lack of solid backing, those fiat dollars in your pocket continue to deflate in value. However, gold stays true, true wealth. Give Melody Cedarstrom a call at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Discount gold and silver trading for all your precious metal needs. And join Melody weekday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Financial Survival Radio. Visit DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com. 
Don't miss Abby Johnson as she delivers a message of life in Springfield, Missouri for Vitae Foundation's annual pro-life event on Friday, August 26th at the White River Conference Center in Springfield, Missouri. Abby is the author of the national best-selling book and movie adaptation, Unplanned, which tells the story of her powerful conversion from abortion clinic director to an outspoken pro-life advocate. Abby believes in the work of Vitae Foundation as they utilize digital marketing strategies to connect abortion-determined women with life-saving resources at local pregnancy help centers. Reserve your seat today by going to adsforlife.org. Again, that's Abby Johnson on August 26th in Springfield, Missouri. Before this event sells out, register today at adsforlife.org. Mike Lindell and MyPillow are offering a BOGO extravaganza on multiple MyPillow products. Now's the time to join the millions of Americans who have changed the quality of their sleep with MyPillow. Right now, take advantage of Mike's buy one, get one free pricing on MyPillow's bed sheets, Giza Elegance MyPillows, six-piece towel set, and roll-and-go anywhere MyPillows, and so much more. Just go to the radio listener specials page at MyPillow.com. And use promo code Bethann or call 1-800-978-6168. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to buy one, get one free on select products. You will also receive Mike's book absolutely free with any purchase. Call 1-800-978-6168 or go to the radio listener special page at MyPillow.com. Promo code Bethann. We have returned. You're listening to CSE Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. We're visiting with Joseph Hanneman of the Epic Times. They have a documentary out with footage and explaining what has happened there. We don't know what was in the minds of people, but we do know what happened. We can witness what took place. And so I really encourage you to go to j6realstory.com, j6realstory.com, and again, Please subscribe to the Epic Times. It is truth in journalism. Please subscribe to them. Just go to the epictimes.com. You can get it online, and I know lots of you would rather have it in your hands, and you can get a paper, have it in your hands every week. So I encourage you to do that. Journalism is not dead as long as we have people like Joe around. And, Joe, I appreciate what you do. You know, Victoria White, watching what happened and watching her speak, it just made my heart ache. This poor woman, what she has gone through in her life, and then to become a victim there where she's trying to rally for liberty. But um, liberty isn't free. And unfortunately, everybody's not on board with liberty for the people. And she had actively tried to prevent some of the vandalism before she yes, went in the tunnel, the, the, yeah, the windows that were uh, next to the tunnel, she uh, she pulled someone off that the crowd had identified as as Antifa. At least they they suspected that person. Uh, they were dressed like that and were equipped that way. And this uh, this man was smashing the window, and she went along with some others, but she grabbed this person and pulled him down. 
spun him around and just got right up in his face and, and gave it to him and said, what are you doing? We don't do that. Who comes to a, a Trump rally with a bat or a hammer or a crowbar or whatever, whatever else some of those folks had? So well, let, she had let's, put herself at risk uh, before even going into the tunnel. Yes, she did. I saw that. And uh, let's let's talk about that for just a few minutes because um, we're we're in the final break here. We're going to have to have you back. And and hopefully by the time you come back, lots of my listeners will have watched the documentary. But the suspicious characters, I can't remember what you all called them, but Stan was even alluding to that, you know, and it, and you guys in the documentary kind of circled and drew little, little arrows to these people. Well, who are they? Why were they there? And they were the ones that you could see were, were instigating the crowd, encouraging the crowd to do wrong things. We had a, quite a few. We've, it, we've identified, well, in some cases not really identified, but we've tagged more than 100 people uh, who have not been arrested, have not been charged. And in many, many cases, uh, their only identifier is a hashtag that was given to them by the Sedition Hunters website. Um, and 18 months later, with all the facial recognition and technology the FBI can employ to find people, these folks have not been brought in or charged. And so we call them suspicious actors. And they, on the east side of the Capitol, especially where the Columbus doors, the, the large 17-foot high ceremonial bronze doors of the Capitol, uh, they were the, these suspicious actors were the ones who broke through the police line, such as it was. It was very lightly defended, but uh, we have a photo in the documentary of really the, the point that where the line buckled and everybody went through and everybody within the photo range uh, of the lens was a suspicious actor. These are people that have not been charged. And yet there's the proof right there that they pushed past police. There have been plenty of others who have been charged with felonies or even laying a hand on a police officer in any circumstance. Or just walking and, in. Yes, yes. And this, this issue with suspicious, suspicious actors, I think, is going to end up being the key to the whole, the whole big question of January 6th. How these people got there, who sent them, who paid them, and gave them instructions, because uh, many people appeared to be part of a very coordinated effort using uh, hand signals and other means of communicating, uh, and this was in places was very choreographed. This was there's just no way this was happenstance that a group of people just happened to be in 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 a spot and engaged in uh, what looks like color revolution techniques uh, that are used by the CIA uh, mm. in trying to bring down foreign governments. So it it's that's something we're focusing a lot of our time on right now is trying to identify those people and what their background is and, and see if we can learn more about what the oh, purpose wow. was. Keep me informed if you can. Keep me informed. Yeah, so 865 absolutely. Americans were charged. Now, one thing I don't remember, I, I watched your video but uh, documentary, but I don't remember seeing what I have seen in the past where officers there were actually welcoming people to come across. Had I been there and the cops were telling me, come on in, come on in, I'd have probably gone on in. So I'd have been one of those 865 arrested for trespassing. But 
what do you know about that? I, I didn't, I don't recall seeing that part in the documentary because you were concentrating on the other. What do you know there, about there, that? Yeah, there were instances where, where the police at the very least stood aside. Um, now we had one trial, uh, in fact, the only one where we had acquittals, uh, where the gentleman's defense was that he felt he was, uh, ushered in or welcomed in. I forget the, the words they used. And, and the judge decided that was a reasonable, uh, for him to think that was reasonable based on the evidence. So yeah, I think there were, there were points during the day where police did stand down or stand aside and literally said nothing to the crowds going past. Uh, and so that, you know, you know, when there are no signs, the doors are open and you're not given any verbal instructions to leave or that you're breaking the law, you know, that's, it's hard to say that people would have known they were breaking the law or trespassing or parading and picketing as they call it in the federal statute. So uh, we do know there were some instances of that. Uh, I, I don't personally believe that was a huge amount of, of the traffic uh, okay. was let in that way. A lot of the traffic came, uh, for instance, when the Columbus doors were, I won't even call it breached because they were open from the inside. And again, the suspicious actors come into play in that situation here. And it raises the specter that ultimately, yes, the crowds were let in uh, and there were people that were put up to it and had the access and the ability to unlock doors that should only be unlockable by the Capitol Police uh, using some sort of triggering mechanism. So it, uh, it, it, it raises, for all the digging we've done, we've answered a few questions and, and unearthed hundreds more. Well, that's, that's the thing. We've got to continue to ask questions. And my fear is, Joe, is that this J6 committee is not going to ever pay any attention to a documentary like this, but America will. And uh, so my fear is we know the J6 are up to no good, the committee, but Americans want to know the truth. And right now, so many are only seeing the mainstream media hearings of this J6 committee, and they're getting angry at Trump. But they're not getting the real story. So, again, I encourage everyone to subscribe to the Epic Times. Go to j6realstory.com. Joe, thank you. I need to have you back. We need to talk about this some more. We just barely covered it. But it's up to you and me to help others bring America home. Home.